God, we do just uh, try to get some perspective this morning on our lives. It's real easy to totally lose perspective on who we are and who you've created us to be. For the, uh, those of us in the room that don't have the gift of faith, it's easy to trust in ourselves because we can't see you. And those of us who have been doing that long enough know where it leads and so we come right back here, God, to listen to you, to hear your still, small voice. And we quiet our lives so that we can hear you. Got to pray today as we talk about the resurrection, it's Easter in June, um, that you would make it new, make it fresh. You would remind us of that one day that changed everything. And you would make it personal today in our lives. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So if you're visiting us with us, we're going through a uh, series called The Story. We've been doing this since last October. It's been one of the most powerful things um, since, I've ever, since I've been in church, and I've been in church, some of you knew me when I was just barely walking. Um, Allegra, I heard her laugh. She, she's been kicking me since I was a little guy. Um, but uh, but I, I, it's been one of the most powerful series for me as a preacher um, to be able to get to, to go through. Basically, what we did is last... Oh, last summer, maybe towards the fall, um, I was sitting with a bunch of you after church, which is where I really get all my sermon ideas. Um, when you complain about what I'm preaching or what I'm not pre- preaching, or when you say, here, I wish, you know, I'm dealing with this in my life. And we were all standing around, and we all kind of came to this thing that I am so thankful for. And it's called honesty. And it doesn't happen a lot in church, truthfully. <laughs> I mean, we, we kick things around a lot. We, we talk about things. We talk around things. Especially the hardest subjects, if we're not careful in church, we don't talk about. And we begin to think that if, if we question God or if we question specific things, then we have a lack of faith. And, we have, and truthfully, what God has asked us to do is push and prod and, and dig so that we can get our faith deeper and deeper. And as we stood around in a circle after church, some of you were in that circle with me, we began to all agree on one thing, and that is this, that the Bible is hard to understand. <laughs> that it's hard for us to read this thing, and sometimes, some, some of the things in the Bible, you can read a scripture, and it hits you right smack in the life. And it just hits you right here, right now, and you can apply it right now. But for the most part, the things that we read in scripture can, can be disconnected, and they can be hard to read, and they can be frustrating. And as we read them, it doesn't necessarily read in chronological order. So we go, did this happen first, and who is this guy, and why, and why, is the name, why are the names so weird, and which, which thing happened in what order? So we began to talk about how we can make it more clear. And in that time, I became aware of this series called The Story, and a book called The Story. And since October, a bunch, of, a bunch of us have been reading through this book called The Story. These guys have put this, if you haven't heard of the story, they've put the Bible in chronological order, um, like a novel, and you can read it from beginning to end. And it, it starts to really kind of come together. Now, the, there's still some things that are confusing and some hard, to, hard to understand in some places, and that's where on Sunday mornings we've kind of come together and dug through those things. My Facebook has blown up, um, emails a lot um, about questions and, and things that are pertaining to the Bible. And I, at least for me, as the preacher, I have learned more during this series than any sermon series I've ever preached. Um, because it, it's causing me to dig in and to get some perspective on the story. And the cool thing about the story is this is the story of all of us. And it, it includes everything you've heard in the Bible. It includes all of history. But it also includes you. <laughs> It includes you right now, what you're doing, has major impact on the story. Now, you might be sitting there going, I choose not to have impact on the story. 
You might be here today, somebody might have drug you here, and you might have been, you may be here today and say, I'm, I'm not a part of this story. And here's what I got to say to you. Yes, you are. <laughs> Whether you want to be or not, whether you choose to believe in God or not, God is bigger and God is in charge and you are part of the story. And I want to start th- that way today because what I want to say is if you're part of the story, you might as well listen today. <laughs> you might as well see if you can apply something, if you can glean something. Because here's the thing about the story. There are a whole bunch of us and Christians involved. Those of us who come to church here and we call ourselves Christ followers, we, we, we say that we're Christians. There are a whole bunch of us that are living like everybody else. We're not changing the way we live at all. And it's causing us to be in cross purposes with the story. Even those who have said, I believe in Jesus, I believe in God, even those who are sitting in the pew with you that you think are good people, some of them have said, and myself included, have said that we follow Jesus, but when it comes down to saying, God, I want to be a part of your story, we are at cross purposes with this story. And I I want to tell you today that there are a whole bunch of us in this place that in the past few months have said, I need to get on board with the story. I need to live the way what I'm re- I need to live what I'm reading. In fact, uh, I prayed with a, f- a few people last week who came to me and they said, I-, I don't have that peace you're talking about. We talk about peace every week. We talk about the peace that passes understanding because we all are desperate for that. And, uh, and afterwards, I prayed with a couple people and I said, just try this. Try to do it Jesus' way. Now, I've I got to be honest with you. A couple of the people I've pr- prayed with are shaky on whether or not they believe in Jesus. They're not sure they believe that he's God. But they know that he was a human. We, that's history. We know that he was on earth. They're still shaky on the God thing, but they, they, they love the idea of Jesus. And I said, try this. Just this week, try to live the way Jesus asked you to live. Try to just do things differently. They did it. And this week, on Thursday, I got an email from one of them. And they're in the room. I um, got an email from one of them that said, unbelievable. It works. <laughs> my week was so much different than my week before. It works. And I got, when I got here this morning, another person said to me, everything changed. This week was totally different than last week. And it's amazing. I wanted to say, no, it's not. It's right there. <laughs> Jesus says, if you live this way, it doesn't only lead you to be the kind of person you want to be. It leads you to a different kind of life. And, and that's what the story is about. It's leading you to two lives. It's leading to a different kind of life on earth and to life eternal. And as we go through today, I, I just want you to know that what I'm about to talk about um, is something you've probably heard about, especially if you've been in church, something you heard about. And as I was preparing, it reminded me of an old joke that my grandpa used to tell about three guys in the woods who were deer hunting. One of them was a preacher, uh, another one was a farmer, and the third guy owned a grocery store. And they were going deer hunting, they walked into the woods, and just as they walked into the woods, a big buck came running through the woods. And they didn't even get to their hiding places before they all turned and shot at the exact same time and dropped this buck. And they immediately began to argue about who killed the buck because they all shot at the same time. About that time, a conservation officer pulled up, saw him, went up to the deer and said, I can solve this. I know who shot the deer. And they all said, how do you know? I said, it was the preacher. The preacher shot the deer. I know it was the preacher. They said, well, how can you tell? We all three shot at the same time. He said, because the bullet went in one ear and right out the other ear. (laughs) Truthfully, man, as a preacher sometimes, I feel like that. I feel like what I'm shooting at you is going right in one ear and out the other because I shoot it Sunday and on Monday afternoon I see the Facebook posts. And I go, did you hear? Because there's another way to do life. You don't have to do life like everybody else. You don't have to do that with your life. You don't have to do that. And it it starts to feel like it goes in one ear and out the other. And what we're talking about today is in one day of history, the single most 
um, important day in, in the history of earth, in the story. And that's the day. Now, we, we talked last week about the crucifixion, and which I said was the most important week. And part of that is the resurrection, which is the most important day in the history of the story. And you've heard it. And part of me says if I was a, a normal preacher, which I'm far from, um, if I was a normal preacher, that we would have this, I'd have had this line, thing perfectly lined up and that this day would be Easter and it would just line up right with the story. But it's June and we're doing Easter. <laughs> and that's just the way we are. It's June and part of me says, you know what, I like it better that we're not talking about Easter when there's Easter bunnies around and when there's signs in every Christian bookstore and when everybody's getting together to hide eggs. I, don't know, I still don't know why we do that. But the, the truth is, I love talking about Easter when we don't have all the distractions of the world. Because this is the single most important day in the history of the story, and it's going in one ear and out the other for most of us. So what I prayed today, in fact, I prayed it with the worship team just backstage a little bit ago. Now you guys understand why I prayed that. That it goes in one ear and out the other to, for most of us. And what I prayed today backstage for you and last night and this morning and all the times I've been praying for you this week is that it would go in one ear and it would stick. It would drive into your heart today what this means for your life. And that's what I've been praying today. So we're going to jump right in today. And Paul, you know, we, we can go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the Gospels. And if we go through the story, you've, you've seen how Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John line up. And as a person that you've heard me say, I'm a person who wasn't gifted with the gift of faith. And so it's a struggle for me all the time. And I think, I think God likes that in my life because it makes me a better preacher in some ways. Um, I dig a little deeper. I need to find things to hold on to. And when it comes with to faith, um, one of the faith builders for me is to look at the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which if you're reading the story with me, you're reading. They, they, it's all in there. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John are four unrelated people. These are people who, who did not sit down at a table together and write these things. And as, as you go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you realize that they're telling the same story. In fact, they even use some of the same phrases. They even, the, some of the same stories come off just exactly alike. And we begin to see that these different people writing at different periods of time and before Facebook and email and before um, plagiarism at this point, these guys all wrote and they came to the same conclusion. It's part of why I believe that the Bible is totally inspired by God and ready for your life. And as we read those, we, you've heard those stories, but there is another, another tale of the story of Jesus. And it comes from a man named Paul. And Paul lived after Jesus, and he believed fervently in the teachings of Jesus. And partially because he saw the way that it impacted his life. Paul was a man who had a conversion. And if, you, if you've heard that word before, you're probably a church person. And a conversion to you might mean that, that uh, somebody came in, a sinner, and w- went home saved. But for Paul, it was much bigger than that. For Paul, he, he was a man who persecuted the church. He was a man who was looking at Christians and, and trying to kill Christians constantly. He was trying to destroy the church. And one day, God hit him in the eyes, literally. Totally shut his eyes off, and he, he had this conversion experience. His name at that point was Saul. God changed his name to Paul and said, You are going to change, you're gonna, you're gonna change teams. You're going to completely change your life. And it wasn't a matter of just believing something new. It was a matter of absolute life change for this man. And he began to teach and talk and to lead people into this Jesus. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. He says this, Christian brothers, I want to tell you the good news again. Sounds like the way I felt when I got up today. 
It's the same as I preached to you before. You received it, and your faith has been made strong by it. This is what I preached to you. You are saved from the punishment of sin by the good news. If you keep hold of it, if you keep hold of it, unless your faith was worth nothing. First of all, I taught you what I had received. It was this. Christ died for our sins as the holy writings said he would. Christ was buried. He was raised from the dead three days later as the holy writings said he would be. Christ was seen by Peter. After that, the 12 followers saw him. After that, more than 500 of his followers saw him at one time. Most of them are still here, but some of them have died. After that, James saw Christ. Then all the missionaries saw him. Paul is talking to a group of people, and I believe Paul, I I resonate with Paul, I believe Paul probably didn't have the gift of faith much. The funny thing is he had such a conversion experience that it, it, it totally blinded him and it changed his life completely. But he still has these moments of doubt, which I, I want to hit you in the face with today. Maybe you doubt. I, I know I, I'm just going to be real honest today with you that I struggle with this. I don't struggle with who Jesus was as a person. Um, there are historians everywhere that, that know who Jesus was. They, they, we have all kinds of historical writings outside the Bible even that talk about Jesus. I believe he changed history. Every now and then it comes really hard for me to believe, especially when my life gets consumed with myself. It becomes hard for me to believe that a man could raise from the dead. It just does. And as I read this, I realize the same is true of Paul. And the same is true of a lot of Paul's readers. And he needed to say, listen, it's not just a good idea. This is not just a fairy tale. This is not something somebody came up with. This is not somebody that somebody hoped was true and began to make up a story about. Over 500 people saw Jesus after he had raised from the dead. These are people that had saw him die, and now they were seeing him alive again. It's faith-building to hear this. But the truth is, at that point in history, and at this point, We were involved with a group of community that was the walking dead. You know what I mean by the walking dead? Anybody seen the walking dead? This is, uh, yeah, some of you, yeah, you don't want to admit it. Zombies. That's what it is. It's zombie movies. It scares me to death, and I like to be able to go outside, you know, in the evenings without being scared to death. So I don't really watch that stuff, but there's a whole culture developed over zombies, which are the walking dead. And the funny thing is that we, we are already, by, by the time Paul is around, by the time the first century kind of turns around, there's already a concept of the walking dead. And it's mentioned in the Bible. Check this out. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this. At one time you were dead because of your sins. You followed the sinful ways of the world and obeyed the leader of the power of darkness. He is the devil who is now working in the people who don't obey God. At one time, all of us lived to please our old selves. We gave in to what our bodies and minds wanted. We were sinful from birth, like all of the people who would suffer from the anger of God. Paul speaks to these Ephesian people. And, you know, we can't quite get exactly what he said because he spoke in a different language. And this is the English translations. But what they would have heard would have made them think of people who were breathing but weren't really alive. Sounds like a zombie. <laughs> in fact, I think of it. I, I don't watch the real zombie movies. I watch the, the cartoon ones because they're not as scary. But the, the, the cartoon ones, the zombies all go, Bleh. They walk around like this, Bleh. They're very mindless. They're they're living, they're breathing, but they're really not alive. Paul begins to describe a group of people that are the walking dead. He says there's people all over my life. 
of The Walking Dead. Now, if you watch these zombie movies, you know that there's always a couple people who aren't zombies. And you begin to feel like them. And everywhere they look, they see people. They're driving by and they see people, zombies, just walking like this. And, and it's a scary feeling. And Paul almost has that feeling of being somebody who is alive and looking at a bunch of zombies. And as I was reading this this morning, I thought, I know those people. You know those people. I know Christians who are walking dead. I know people who have professed Jesus but just live like this. Say, how was your week? Just can't even speak. I mean, sometimes it actually is like that around here. Did you have a good week? That's all you can say. And Paul says, you guys, you have a hope that brings you alive. And if you don't accept it, you're part of the walking dead which really offends Jesus, because the entire reason he was here was to bring life. In fact, Jesus says, one of my favorite pieces of scripture in John, Jesus says this, I've come to bring you life. And it's the same air that Paul uses in Ephesians. People go, well, we're we're living. Jesus, no, no, no. I came to bring you a different kind of life, a life full of joy, hope, peace, I'm going to say this again because I'm having the hunter experience here. It's going in one ear and out the other for some of you. I know it. I see it in your face. And I'm going to tell you, this is attainable. It's real. It's true. It's physical. It's touchable. It's tangible. If you have a problem with faith today like I do, and it's a struggle for you in your life, I want you to know this is real. It's touchable. It's tangible. And you can try it in your life. And when you try it with your heart, your whole life will change. I can't overstate this, people. Jesus says, I've come to keep the walking zombies at bay. And yet, all over America right now, people walk into churches like this. And they're living the same kind of life the rest of the world is. Jesus says there's a cure. There's really not a cure to zombieism, I understand. But but there is a cure to this. It's the... It's the resurrection. It's the point of the story. Check this out. This next slide. Um, You recognize that? Oh, man. One of my favorite movies of all time, Braveheart. Mel Gibson's a wacko, but he's a great actor. Braveheart, amazing, amazing movie where he says a line that that I believe comes straight from from God's heart. I believe this line is what Jesus was saying um, to his people and what Paul was saying to his people. He says this. Every man, I wish I could do the Scottish accent. Every man dies. If you remember this, they're all gathered up. They're on their horses, and he's holding up a sword over his head. I almost brought a sword today and painted my face blue, but I thought for those who are visiting, that would really push it over the edge. But, but that's what I want to do today. If you haven't seen Braveheart, here's the scene. All of these people are going to battle, and there aren't enough. Okay, Everybody that's in battle knows we're not enough. We're not strong enough. We're not big enough. It's going to take something bigger. There's going to, we're going to have to become more than we are to defeat this army, this battle. And as they walk up, they see this huge, ar- this huge battle, and Mel Gibson goes, I need to inspire them. I need to say something. I need to do something because these people are different. This is the way I feel about you today. You have something in you that makes you not a zombie. Mel Gibson had to wake it up in these people. And he stood before them. He got on a horse, actually. 
And he told some jokes, some of them not so appropriate. He told some jokes, hilarious. And he's going back and forth to these guys. He gets them laughing a little bit. And then he says this, every man dies. And there's this long pause and you think, boy, well, that's an inspirational speech. Thanks. Every man dies. And the camera pans to the other side. They're all going to die at some point. Maybe not today. That other group of people, they're all going to die. And you're all going to die. But not every man really lives. Mel Gibson said it, but it's God's words. Every man, every man dies. But not every man really lives. And I'm telling you, as your brother, as your friend today, you don't have to live like a zombie. You don't have to trudge through life one day at a time. You don't have to just act like the rest of the world. You don't have to act like this is everything, that the, everything that you have, that your truck is the only thing that can bring you hope, that the girlfriend, the boyfriend, the husband, the wife is the only thing that can bring you peace. You can't live like that and not be a zombie. And you have it in you for life. One day it happened to three different people that I want to hit today as it revolves around the resurrection. These are three people that got to see Jesus through his entire life and got to be a part of the resurrection story. Got to understand, got to see, got to feel, got to know what it meant. These are three people that I think we can relate to. One of them's name is Matthew. Matt was a tax collector. And uh, he was, at this point in history, you couldn't say much worse about a person. We might call him a politician. now, <laughs> But it was just like, oh, as soon as you say he's a something, he, he was an awful person. He took money from people who needed money. He took food out of kids' mouths. He kept lining his own pockets with, with, with money from people who needed it much worse than he did. He was thought of as an awful person. When, pe- when he walked down the road, he would be yelled at, and, and people would call him names, and he had just had gotten this hard shell about him. And one day, Jesus came into town, and Matthew, I, I know what Matthew was thinking in the morning. Oh, here comes that Jesus I'll take his money too. He's that hard. I mean, Matthew is that hard shell about him. I don't care what he says. I don't care who he says he is. I don't care what kind of miracles he works. The thing is with Matthew, miracles weren't impressive to him. You heal somebody, I don't care about people. So you heal somebody, I don't care. I'm walking the other direction. Jesus walks up to Matthew. It's one of the most amazing um, tales of Jesus interacting with somebody. He walks up to Matthew and he goes, hey, Matthew, leave your life. You're going to follow me. I love it. It's another one of those Bruce Willis moments for Jesus. He doesn't go up to Matthew and go, Hey, uh, Matt, I was wondering if you would like to kind of maybe just phase out the tax collecting. You know, just take a little less until you get to know me. And then eventually, now he walked to Matt and he goes, Hey, this is not you, man. You're a zombie. You're dead. This is not who you are. This is not who God meant for you to be. This is not who you are built to be. And inside you, There is a living thing that can live differently. You can have a different hope. You can have a different peace. You don't have to live like everybody else. You don't have to be Matt the tax collector anymore. And in one day, that was Matthew's one day. He went to, everything changed for him. Jesus went to him. He looked right in the face and it was that one day for Matthew, everything changed for him. He dropped the tax collecting and he started following Jesus. And in that one day, everything changed. Another person named Peter, his name, the name Peter in, in his language means little pebble. 
It, it's like it would be the equivalent of a big burly guy or a, or a man, you calling him champ or, you know, buddy or something that makes them feel small and little. And they called him Little Rock. Hey, Little Pebble. He was, he was thought of as, a, as sort of a Napoleon type. He had, a, he had a, pro, a complex where he was a little guy and he wanted to be bigger than he was. And you know these guys, these little guys who think they're big and they're always wanting to fight no matter what. He was that guy. And every time, in fact, he got so close to Jesus at one point that at the, at the end, when Jesus was being, being arrested, Jesus had just said, in another really cool hero moment, Jesus had just said, nobody takes my life from me. I give it when I'm ready. And the Roman soldiers come and they begin to take Jesus as a prisoner right before he's crucified. Peter grabs a sword, cuts the Roman soldier's ear off. Completely cuts his ear off. And Jesus says something to Peter. He, he looks at Peter and he says, put away the sword. And then Jesus does this thing that I believe probably changed the Roman soldier's life. He takes an ear and he puts it back on the Roman soldier. And it goes, sucks back on the Roman soldier and now his ear. Now, the Bible doesn't talk about this, but if you're the Roman soldier, are you still going to arrest this dude? I don't know what happened there, but if I was shooting the movie, I would probably do something with that whole scene. And I can tell you, that Jesus, the day that Jesus went to Peter, he was fishing. He was fishing. He was on a boat. He was, he was doing what he does. It was Monday. Now, when I talk, when I think about fishing, I think about a break. You know, I get to take a break and go fishing. That's not what it was with Peter. It would be like him sitting at a cubicle. It was another day of work. It was another mundane. And Jesus came to him and said, "You, you don't have to live like this. You don't have." I, Jesus, I can hear Jesus saying, "Peter, I saw you walk into the boat today doing this." Bleh. You're, a, you're walking dead. But you don't have to be this. And he says, Peter, I want you to fish for something more important. I want you to fish for something more important. And he didn't say, you know, Peter, I was thinking maybe you could be a part of my team now. No, no, you follow me. You come follow me, and I'll help you fish for something more important in your life. And one day, Jesus met a, man, a woman named Mary, and she had... Uh, she had what the Bible says, or what we translate in English as demons. She had seven demons, and Jesus cast them out. We don't know a lot about Mary. Her, her name is Mary Magdalene. We know that her name really wasn't Mary. It was Miriam, which is the, her language. That would have been her name. It was translated as Mary. Um, she was called Magdalene because she was from uh, that city. But we don't know a ton about her. All we know is that when she met Jesus, she was a mess, had some, if you ask me, I don't, I don't know that it was demons as much. It was probably the way the, the way the original language is, some sort of a psychological, psychiatric issue. She had probably, bi, she was probably bipolar. She might have been schizophrenic. She had some major serious issues in her life. And when she came to Jesus in one day, I don't know what day it was, but she does. She remembers that day when she came to Jesus and everything changed. I've been praying for your one day. Because one day, Jesus will come to you that way. He, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. These three people heard it. And as we go through this story, we, we go through a weekend, a Friday, Saturday, and a Sunday. And I love that the Bible talks about it in Friday, Saturday, and Sunday terms because it makes it feel real to me. It is real. These are three physical weeks. This was a real weekend. I don't know if it was a race weekend. I don't, know. I don't know. But it was a real weekend, a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday. On Friday, one day, Mary 
and Peter and Matthew watched Jesus, who they believed was the Messiah, but didn't really understand what was next. They watched him crucified on a cross. And there was this feeling, which maybe you've had this feeling before. I know some of you have had because I've sat in hospitals with you and in other places with you where you've had this feeling. Is this really happening? Is this, my life is being completely uprooted and I have this out-of-body experience. This is what happened to Matthew and to Mary and to Peter this day. Is this really happening? This unravels my entire life. All the things I thought, all the things I hoped. If God can die, maybe he wasn't God originally anyway. You understand how big this is to these three people. How important the resurrection is to them. Because they watch on Friday, they watch him die. It was a bad day for the followers of Jesus. You know, it's amazing, though. It was a good day for one guy. That one day for a thief who was on the cross, one day for him, when Jesus looked him in the eyes, Jesus' eyes could barely open. There was blood coming down it from this adjacent cross. He looked over at Jesus, and he said, Remember me. Remember me when you get to heaven. And Jesus looked at him. We said this last week. Jesus didn't say, well, first you've got to be circumcised, then you've got to be baptized, then you've got to go through and make sure you memorize all the Old Testament. Don't forget a Sunday school pen, because if you don't get the Sunday school pen, you're out, buddy. And don't forget the potluck. If you don't bring a covered dish, you're out. He didn't, Jesus didn't have a list. And I think this is huge, because if you come to church in most places, they got a list. I, I want Jesus to remember me. Okay, come up here, and I'll give you a list of all the things you've got to do. Jesus goes, all right, I can see into your life. I can see your faith. Today, you will be with me in paradise. You will be with me in heaven today. The thief at that moment took a deep breath and went, this is my day. This is my day. That one moment, that one day was on Friday for the thief. Saturday was this, in history, this misty I, I consider it to be rainy, dark day. Depressing, confusing, silence from God. Probably the disciples, the followers, wondering, who is he really? Now this happened to me after church camp every summer. I go to church camp and I'd have this amazing spiritual experience at church camp. It happened to me from when I was really young all the way through to when I was a counselor at church camp. And I'd get so emotional and I would get so spiritually moved, so close to God, and I would think, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to become a monk. I'm going to sell all my possessions. I'm going to move. I'm going to become Mother Teresa. I'm gonna, I'm, it's all going to happen. And by Monday afternoon, I'm going, did that happen? What, what was that? I remember singing and I remember saying something to God, but... All of a sudden, it's back. This is Saturday. Matthew's starting to go, you know, I could, still, I could sure use a big screen TV again. Matthew's starting to go, maybe I should go back to stealing money because that was a sure easy way to live. Mary's probably having some relapses mentally. And Peter, he's found somebody to beat up because that's, that's who he was. And, and everything starts to relapse. Some of you are living in Saturday today. Some of you are living with the depression, confusion, the frustration. For some of you, it's Saturday. It's dark, it's gross, and it's what causes the walking dead. It's what causes the... Here's the good news. Weekend's not over. 
Sunday starts the week, but you know how the weekend feels. Sunday really is the end of the week, the way it feels to us. And for Jesus, he went to a, went on Friday night, got wrapped up. Two guys, one guy named Joseph and one guy named Nicodemus, wrap up Jesus' body. They go to, they're rich guys. They go and they, they go to Pilate and they say, we want the body of Jesus. We want to give him a correct burial. They bury Jesus. And this is important to the story because they, they take Jesus and they, they wrap him up in lots of garments, which takes forever. And it's a huge thing. They clean his whole body and they wrap him up in these garments and they put all these spices on him so that it kind of helps the body smell okay for a while. There wasn't embalming at that point and they weren't embalming him, but they, they cleaned his body. They completely wrapped him like hundred percent wrapped up and laid him in the tomb. And that was Friday night, Sunday morning, Mary, Mary Magdalene, the schizophrenic, bipolar, demon-possessed, some people say prostitute, who knows what else with Mary. She decides she's going to go to the tomb. My guess is to say, is this thing real? Like we go to the tomb, like we go to our gravesides for those who we love, we know they're not there, but it makes us feel a little better. I just want to say something. (laughs) Mary goes to do that with Jesus, and she says, how am I going to roll the stone away? Because the stone is too big. And when she gets there, the stone is rolled away. Jesus' garments are laying out. All of his burial garments are laying out on the rock inside the tomb. And there is an angel that says, who are you looking for? She goes, uh, the guy who lives here? <laughs> Died here? The angel goes, duh. He said he was going to rise in three days. Can you count? This is Sunday. And at that moment, Mary had another day. Everything came back. Because if that is real, if the resurrection is real, if it really happened, if Jesus really died on the cross, if he was really wrapped up in all that stuff and really came back, everything he said has to be true. Because if he can do that, he can do anything. Matthew gets to see Jesus. Peter doesn't believe it at first, has to go check it out himself, continues to not believe it until Jesus comes to him. A man named Thomas, who began, became known as the doubter, said, I don't believe it. I don't care what Mary says. I don't care what Peter says. I don't care what Matthew says. I don't care what that preacher says. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what anybody says. I don't even care what Jesus himself says. Until I can touch Jesus' hands, until I can feel the scars in his hands, I don't believe any of it. Now, it's real easy for me as a preacher to stand up here and say, boy, isn't Thomas an idiot? But man, I am Thomas. And it had been real easy for Jesus to go, you know what, Thomas? Forget you. You don't have faith in me. You don't deserve me. Why am I glad he didn't? <laughs> it's a locked room. Completely locked room. Jesus is meeting with the disciples. All the disciples are in the room, and all of a sudden, Jesus appears into the lock room. That's pretty cool. Thomas still's not sure. And Jesus goes, Thomas, touch my hands. Touch my hands. You said if you could touch my hands, if you could feel where the nails went in, you would believe. Thomas felt Jesus' hands and believed. It's my favorite part of the story. Because truthfully, I just feel like Thomas sometimes. And I want you to know today that the renewed hope, the renewed life, the renewed energy that comes with the resurrection comes for some of us with proof. 
It comes for some of us with touching the hands of Jesus. Now, I've never touched his hands. It's never happened to me. I've never felt the scars. But let me tell you what I've felt. i felt when I do life the way Jesus said, when I put my hope, my trust, my joy, my peace, my family, everything in my life, when I count on him solely, and not just from the pulpit, not just with my words, but with the way I live my life, when it really happens that way, I feel it. I touch it. I realize this is real. And I go from walking zombie to alive. It's my moment. I'm praying for you. Because here's the thing. Your day, Matthew had a day, Peter had a day, Mary had a day, I've had my day with Jesus face to face. Your day will come. And you go, no, 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 I'll never do it. Here's the promise from God. Look at this. This is the scripture, Philippians chapter 2. After he became a man, he gave up his important place and obeyed by dying on a cross, which we just read. Because of this, God lifted the name Jesus. This is what happened when Jesus died. God lifted the name Jesus above everything else. He gave, his name, he gave him a name that is greater than any other name. So read this, verse 10. So when the name Jesus is spoken, and the way this projects is this is in the future. One day, one day, coming soon. When Jesus, when the name Jesus is spoken... Everyone in heaven and on earth and under the earth will bow before him. Every tongue will say Jesus Christ is Lord. Everyone will give honor to God the Father. I had just written this into the sermon, and I turned on the radio. I was on my way home from Chicago this week. I turned on the radio, and I heard a liberal channel talking and an atheist talking about the, the non-existence of God, and I thought, one day, one day you'll take all that back. The promise is that Jesus is coming again, and by the way, that's the rest of the story. We're getting ready for it. The promise is that Jesus is going to come back. Now, the Bible says that there's going to be, it's going to be obvious, it's going to be an amazing thing in the earth. I believe it'll start, based on what I read here, and I kind of hope it does for theatrical purposes, I hope it starts with just the name Jesus. Jesus. Everyone on earth hears it at the same time. And when they do, no one needs faith anymore. You see my subtitle there? One day you won't need faith anymore. One day, everyone. One day, all the NBA basketball players. One day, all the politicians, all the celebrities, all the smart people, all the people who think they're smarter than everybody else, one day, at the name of Jesus, it will all be clear to them. There won't need to be any more faith. There won't be any, anybody naysaying this thing. It will be bowing down before him. There's a song that my dad used to sing at Gosport Christian Church. One day, Jesus will call my name. When the days go by, I hope I don't stay the same. I want to get so close to him. There's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. That's what I think of. Love that song. And I think of that day. One day Jesus will call your name. I'm hoping it's today because let me tell you, you don't want to wait until that name Jesus is said for all the world. You want to do it now. I'm praying that today's your day. When I was a kid, I was in junior high. Band, you guys can come up. When I was in junior high, I was at uh, One Way Weekend at Gosport Christian Church. I'll never forget, Tony and Donnie um, leading worship. And uh, they were late. And they, they did this retreat 
thing at, when I was a kid, and I'd set up in the balcony at Gosport Christian Church, which is still there. It all looks exactly the same as it did then. And that's been 30 years ago. And um, Tony and Donnie were a good 45 minutes late, and we kind of stalled and waited for them. They came in, and Tony said, here's what happened on the way in. There was a storm. And he said, we were going through the back roads on County Line Road. I don't know if you guys remember this. They were from Gospel Christian Church. We're going through the, the roads on County Line Road, and the storm just opened up, and the sky did this weird thing and started moving around, and it became colorful. And Tony and Donnie, these are worship leaders that um, just were really close to God and just, like, especially this time in their lives, were so in touch with their spiritual lives. And Tony looked at Donnie and said, pull the car over. Jesus is coming back right now. I don't want to be driving. And they got out of the car, and they began to worship. <laughs> they just, on County Line Road, I can't imagine what it would have been like to drive by them, you know. These guys looking up at this thing and worshiping. And as they did it, I, I helped my faith so much. I was in junior high, my dad came up and said, Tony, tell us a little more. How would you feel about that at that point? Did it scare you? And Tony said, when you've been loving Jesus as long as I did, did when that day comes, it's nothing but a victory. At that moment in my life, I was in junior high, and I thought, boy, I don't feel that way right now. I'm not that close. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that would feel like. Right now, it would scare me to death. And what I know in my life right now is that I'm a doubting Thomas. I hate that phrase, but it does describe me. I know that I do not live the way that God intends me for me to live on a regular basis. But I know this. When that day comes, Jesus opens up the heavens. I'm ready. I'm saved. And it's not because of a list of things I've done. It's because of a, one thing that he did one day. So I'm going to give you an opportunity today. Maybe today's your day. Maybe today is your day. Maybe today is the day you get hit in the face with this thing with God. Maybe it's not. But I'm going to ask you this. Who in your path needs to to see Jesus face to face today. I'm asking for, to be praying for that this morning. I'm going to go back to that corner right back there if you'd like to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to sing this song. This song um, something that's been around a long time. I've decided to follow Jesus. Rick plays it a little differently than I used to hear it. But I'd like to give you the opportunity today to, to sing this song. And if, if you're here, you've already followed Jesus, you don't feel like you need to sing this song, this is not from your heart, please don't sing it. I mean, I know there's a lot of times we just kind of say whatever everybody else is saying. We're asking you not to sing this morning if this is not from your heart. Nobody's going to judge you or look at you funny. Today, if you're ready to say, I, I've decided that I'm tired of following the rest of the world. I'm tired of being a walking dead. I'm ready to live. I'm going to ask you to sing this straight from your heart. I'm going to go right back there and love to pray with you. Would you stand with us and sing this morning? I've decided. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning
Shine. 